Okay, I got a lot of stuff over here. I hope you got something. Uh, the Fields like. Brothers Show Podcast. Take yeah. two. Yeah, that's because I screwed up the intro the first time. All right, I'll tell you what. All right, so you're going to... You want to take the lead on this, or what do you want to do? Thank you for listening yeah, to the Fields Brothers. Get the right button now. Yeah, I think so. Right, okay. Let's try this again. Well, we are the Fields Brothers, and here recording our podcast, coming to you from Central Kentucky, a very rainy Central Kentucky today, as we're experiencing the aftermath of the hurricane. So we don't have it near as bad as our Hurricane Ida. Is that what family. it is? Ida. Yes, I yeah. think so. Yeah, a lot of a lot of bad stuff in Louisiana. Do uh, yeah. we know we know some people down in Louisiana. It's it's a tough time. So yeah. the um, yeah. Um, you just want me to jump right in, or, or do you got anything you want to? No, go ahead. What you got going on? What's, what's going on um, uh, downtown Lexington or on your two side or, of town? Two or three different things, but before we get into those, I um, just got back from a trip, as you know it, and we went to uh, Hilton Head Island. We'd never been to Hilton Head. I think you said you've never I've been I've never been to Hilton Head. Yeah, I know, I'm one of the few people in Kentucky yeah, who've we never thinking, been to Hilton Head. We were thinking we were the one last ones. Went in there, had a great time. <laughs> um did a tour of savannah one day that's why i want to talk just a little bit about that have you ever been to savannah georgia i have been to savannah have you ever done the historical tour and stuff like that you know i don't think so i've done some historical stuff somewhere uh, no i don't think so in savannah i'm trying to think (laughs) well we need to make a clip out of that sound you just made for the intro (laughs) that's a that's a we can just drop in every now and then do that again my brain in high gear trying to think i don't even know if i can do it again (laughs) it's like a mule or something yeah um, where was I? Okay, Savannah. They have these trolleys, and so we, you know, bought a ticket for the trolley, and they call it a hop on, hop off. So you can, you kind of like gather from moving? that. No, but it has all these stops, oh. and there's multiple ones going around all the time. Oh, I so see. like they're they're fifteen or twenty minutes apart all the time. It means you pay for this, or just yeah, you no. pay for it, and you got a map of what's what, and then while you're touring around, the you know the guide. Uh, we'll talk about stuff that you're passing, and then they stop at this spot if you want to get out and look at some of the stuff closer. So it's kind of an unlimited pass. You just get yeah, on and off yeah, everyone? Yeah, okay. all day long. All right. So you can get off and look at some of the stuff there, and then you wait around for the next one come by. You've got a different tour guide, and so most of the time we stayed on it. But the um, what I learned is, I, I don't, I'm sure we got some listeners in Georgia, but and they may laugh at me in some of this. I don't know. hope I don't mess any of this up too bad. But uh, a man named James Oglethorpe. Does that name ring a bell to you? You know? Actually, does kind of, but I have no idea well, why. Well, he, he was kind of, he's considered to be the first governor of Georgia. I'm not sure they actually were using that title at the time, but but he is kind of considered the first George, first governor of Georgia. He was from England, and so Georgia, that colony. So he was kind of the main trustee over the, con, the British colony of Georgia at that time. And one of the fascinating things is, and so he had a lot of say-so on just, the rules uh, of, of Georgia. Georgia, and I don't know how closely there's the rules lines in were Georgia. There. Well, there were then. There's, okay. there's fewer now. <laughs> he had four, four prohibitions, four things that were not allowed in the earliest days of Georgia before they were actual states. Okay, four things that were not allowed. Two of them we can kind of guess, but but all four of these ended up getting overturned eventually. Okay. But right. um, so his four prohibitions. Um, one was Catholicism. That was kind of odd. There was no Catholicism Could allowed be a, you in were Georgia. Allowed to be, it's illegal to be a Catholic I in guess Georgia so. at one time. Or I don't know, at least practice it. But no Catholicism, <laughs> that was one prohibition. Okay. Um, uh, slavery was pro- prohibited at one time. Now, later on, that you know got overturned. But, really? as, but as long as James Oglethorpe was in charge, no, no slavery. Kidding, huh? And they said it was kind of as a defensive thing because... South Carolina did have slaves. Florida didn't, and so he thought it would 
things would run smoother if they didn't. So I, you know, I don't know. Huh. If it was not so much for moral reasons. Probably is for his own safety and, and just the anyway, whatever. The um, third one was alcohol. No alcohol. Okay, so, so prohibition there. Right. That, that eventually obviously got overturned. The last one I never heard of. This was fascinating. The last one there was a prohibition against lawyers. No well, lawyers I say in we Georgia. Bring that back. <laughs> Evidently, he was. He had a real conviction that every person just ought to be able to defend themselves. If there's a dispute, you know, both sides just defend themselves. Well, and so they had a prohibition against lawyers. So, yeah, I can see where that would the um, not work too well for some people. Yeah, and then the ironic thing is now, you know, most the vast majority of legislators are are lawyers. Yeah, so lawyers, yeah, there's yeah. no chance of that one coming back. I'm right. sure. But right. anyway, the other thing, cotton. That Savannah was a huge. It was the center. Of the the main cotton exchange in the country was Savannah. Okay, huge cotton crop, and there's still a building there that has the name on it. And uh, Eli Whitney, remember that name? Yeah, the cotton gin. He, he invented, invented the cotton, the cotton gin. Yeah. Do you know where? Why did he call it a cotton gin? The word gin, G-I-N. Do you know where that came from? Where he got the idea of calling it, it that? Gins up cotton? I don't know. No, because it looked like a small engine. And so he, since it looked like a small engine, he took gin from the word engine. Okay. So isn't that, this is a very educational podcast. Yes. Yes. But, um, and the cotton industry was huge there up until about the sixties. And you want to guess what came along that kind of great now, you know, there's still a cotton industry today, obviously, but in terms of the, the trading and the polyester, yes, polyester, yes, I (laughs) got it. Polyester polyester came came in the sixties that had a very, um, Oh, kind of a negative effect on the cotton industry. So, had a, um, a friend recently, um, was David Moss, I mentioned the name, that he was on our podcast a few weeks ago. He, he sent me a text a while back, showed the, a little men's group that he's in. They had a study about things that hinder our prayers and help our prayers. And now, so, where did he hear, this is in a, a book, you mean, or what? In a was book. He? He's in a men's group that, okay. that's going through a book. All right. And so, the book had a section on, you know, so one of the, uh, the study for the week was things that hinder our prayers. And uh, and I told him that I think, I think, golf. worrying about golf would be well, one. No, 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 no. Oh. Um, we'll talk a little bit about golf maybe oh, later. Yeah. But, oh, sorry. Um, yeah. Since you brought it up, oh, the uh, but I told him about the. I said I think the talking worrying about what hinders our prayers hinders our prayers. Was that know? is that on the list? No, I don't he just you're adding just adding. I don't. That. I didn't actually. I don't remember if okay. I saw the list or not. But one of the right. one of the statements in the study says if you don't make time for God, He might rearrange your schedule. So I mean, oh, oh, basically oh, oh, saying if like, you'll make time for God, he'll give you a car wreck, right, or he'll, pray he'll, about, he'll then, make you sick, or he'll do something to lay you up for a while so that you will have time to pray. What do you think of that? I think that's boy, I, that makes that makes me makes you want to hang around. Makes God, me not want to hang around God, but <laughs> makes me want to think. Okay, have I prayed enough recently to stay out of a calamity? So anyway, I mean, it, it is sad that that stuff goes on. But yeah. anyway, you know, I've yeah. you know, I, I just stopped by. Um, daughter's house got to see some of the grandkids a little bit before here and you know just adorable little kids you know some of them now in their preschool you know a few that are school age early school age some preschool you know they come running up to me and give me a hug and i hug them you know we don't need a lesson on how to communicate you know and how to talk on you don't, that. You don't give just, your grandkids like four principles on you know, related or, grand you know, or, or you know, what yeah what uh, what hinders you from you know yeah. give me a list of four things hinders yeah. you from communicating with grand yeah. with uh, papa or whatever but anyway um, one thing I asked you about a while back, and 
uh, not when we were doing a podcast, but and I don't think you ever listened to it. But I, and we may talk more about it. But I want to at least talk a little bit about it now. Is is the um, what's known and and some people have already familiar with it. Probably the Mars Hill podcast. I asked you about that a few weeks ago. You've yeah. not listened to any of those, have you? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Oh, did you? You listened to some of those? Yeah. Well, you never told me you did. Well, so. I'm sorry. I didn't know I had to report in. I mean, I, I listened they're, to the first one. I didn't listen to all of them. They're, they're still coming out with them. Um, the the last one was all on uh, Josh Harris. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Story? Oh, you remember yeah. who he is? Yeah, he wrote the book where he gave it, Kiss Dating Goodbye. Kiss Dating Goodbye. Now, he yeah. wrote, I mean, he was like in his teens when he wrote that. Yeah, and he Hugely was. Hugely successful. Yeah, he was single. And so he was a lot of single Christians related to him. And, looked and him. Yeah. you know, his homeschool family uh, you know his, his his father was a huge spokesman in the homeschool movement yeah. and had several i forget how many kids they had um he wrote that book then you know later on got married became pastor of a, of a well-known church in the somewhere in the dc area somewhere in that mm-hmm. general vicinity um but in recent years um basically denounced his own book mm-hmm. and realized that it did damage a lot of people and i think he was probably right in that i think a lot of that really did kind of steer some people mm-hmm. the wrong wrong way but um and he resigned from the um, the church there, and um, I guess probably were a couple of years ago he renounced Christian faith altogether. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and um, they in, in this podcast they interview him. The guy interviews him, and mm-hmm. it's fascinating to hear that conversation back and forth. And they're mm-hmm. both very honest with each other. And because at one time, kind of where this ties into the Mars Hill thing. So for those who don't know, Mars Hill was a church in the Seattle, started in the Seattle area, and became a a whole campus, you know, the multi-campus it's type of facility. 17 campuses, I think. Do they have that yeah, many? Yeah, I think so. Um, and so I already forgot the guy's name that, that headed it up. Um, Mark Driscoll. Mark yeah. Driscoll, yeah. yeah. Headed that up. And um, you know, really became a celebrity and all that. Anyway, they become, he became affiliated some um, with with the whole thing and the um, – Josh, Josh Harris, Harris and all that. Oh, yeah, okay. I mean, he was, you know, they, he, I think he spoke out there. And they were, a lot of that was kind of the Reformed theology, which is one of the interesting things about it is Reformed theology kind of became popular during that time, you know, from Mark Driscoll and Josh Harris and some mm-hmm. of them. But it's just the, the idea of, and one of the things in the podcast that makes a great point is that, you know, this has happened over and over and over again. Right. Of celebrity pastors that end up, letting people down and for whatever reason, you know, in Mark Driscoll's case, it was not a, a moral issue. It was more personality issues and <laughs> controlling. And, uh, he's like one of the few, you know, mega church pastors who was fired for basically being a jerk. Yeah. You know, he just, yeah. And like? it's just, you know, it, it, it became where everything became about, you know, that mission and that congregation or that network and making it bigger and bigger and everything, you know, are you for yeah. us or against us? And yeah. we'd even use that terminology mm-hmm. and all that. But the whole idea of celebrity pastor. And so, you know, the point is that, and I also learned that in that, that he actually kind of consulted with Robert Schuler in the early days. And mm-hmm. so Robert, and I hadn't really thought about this. Robert Schuler was one of the first kind of celebrity pastors um, and mega church type of personalities. Now there were other people that had, you know, Spurgeon and some others years mm-hmm. early had a huge congregations, but with the media, with Robert Schuler, um, kind of took that to a, a different level to where it was more than just that that congregation. And he pointed out, I think it's very interesting, I don't know if you listen to that one or not, that you know, in most churches you'd had a denominational structure to kind of come down on someone. If someone got too far off the main line, their denomination, the, the headquarters would come down on them. But Schuler got so big and so popular he the denomination couldn't and i forget what denomination was couldn't do anything about him really 
And so that yeah, kind see, of that, I think that cuts so. both ways, though. I mean, that kind of happened, I think, a little bit to Chuck Smith at Calvary Chapel. Well, I talk- mean, he kind of outgrew yeah. the denomination, but he never – I mean, he did not seem to – be engrossed in his own power or authority or position. I heard we were we visited there one yeah. Sunday back in nineteen eighty five. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. a very humble teacher. Yeah, real life. Yeah, didn't never seem to seek the spotlight. Yeah, and uh, just did his thing. Had a radio show, but never. Really, I don't think he ever did much on TV. At least not nationwide. Oh, did you hear the one where the podcast where they, on the Mars Hill were they talking about Chuck Smith? No. Huh? And the second one, you would find the second one fascinating. They talk about what a what a interesting contrast Robert Schuler and Chuck Smith were, and they overlapped quite a bit. Yeah. Schuler, the message was kind of the popular message, but the style was very formal. I mean, hymns, the all pipe right, organ, right. the robe, and all that. Oh yeah. Chuck Smith was just the opposite. Chuck yeah. Smith, everything is casual now. He wore a suit and tie in the early days, but yeah. you know, casual, the hippie movement. But yet, the teaching was very, you know, expository teaching. Yeah. Just go through a book, very and so it's kind of like style, yeah. the the teaching itself was a very conservative style. But yet, everything else was kind of modernized. Where Schuler was the other way around. You know, and the, then you had you know they say the three biggest uh, churches or biggest most how shall I say this most well known pastors in the Southern California area at that time. There was one more. Did you know who the other one was? John Wimber. Well, no, Wimber no. came along later. Okay. Actually, I think um, the three S's. You know, it was Schuler. Um, uh, Smith. Smith and Swindoll. Chuck Swindoll okay, was yeah. out there. Well, Swindoll and, and uh, MacArthur started about the same time, both around the late yeah, 60s. Yeah, I guess it's MacArthur, I guess so. was, he was Corona. Wasn't he Corona Cowboys? He was not um, quite in the... I forget. I don't know. Anyway. But, uh, and Swindoll was kind of middle of the road, you know. But then the the, the uh, vineyard churches came out of Calvary Chapels. Right, and right. with Chuck Smith's blessing, because yeah. they kind of went a different direction yeah. and all that. But just the idea that celebrity pastor, that... Yeah. And, and the podcast points out that, you know, rather than talking about those pastors, you know, what is it? Because it happens over and over but, and okay, over again. But, okay, let me give you another another example to the contrary, though, that never seemed to get, let it, you know, I don't know how you said, go to his head or whatever, was but Billy Graham. I mean, he yeah. was a celebrity. He never seemed to phase him that much. You know, yeah. He didn't seem to flaunt that. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, he's definitely a great example. So the, the idea, though, that, that, People tend to, in terms of the congregation, Billy Graham, of course, an evangelist didn't have one specific right, congregation, right. but but we, we people seem to want a celebrity pastor. And so the question is not not why do they do it, but what does it say about the rest of us, us in general, oh, yeah. as believers? Yeah. What does it say about the rest of us believers that we are so prone to that, that we so quickly want to elevate you know, one or two, uh, you know, a celebrity pastor type of thing. And I, I, I think I can explain that. I've got some thoughts on it. I, yeah, tell me. I'm anxious to hear what you I, say. I think people feel like it reflects on them. In other words, I follow this guy, and he's kind of hip and cool, and we think mm-hmm. he's, you know, all that, and that reflects on me. That's the kind of person I, I am that would follow somebody yeah, like that. I think that's... And I think they feel like it. And I think people even follow politicians for that reason. I was going to say, yeah, that's very similar. That, that's on kind the of a politician yeah, thing. Or even is, sports person. Other yeah, type, any, almost yeah. any type of celebrity. It's you kind of you, identify with them. It, but in identifying, them. though, it's, you've, it, there's a feeling that this sends out a message that I am a per. I don't know, you know, probably a good person or a person who's got it together. Because I would knows follow a little this more, kind of, or, or understands yeah, yeah. it better, or they feel like it says some people feel like it yeah. says something about themselves. Yeah, I, I would agree. The other thing that it makes me think of is the I, I think still stems from basically the same thing of Old Testament Israel wanting a king that they didn't want God to be their king; they wanted a, a go between. And there is a, the the tendency of the flesh is to want another mediator. You know, one of the 
the promises in the new covenant that we don't hear a lot about. You know, we hear a lot about total forgiveness. We hear a lot about new heart. One of the things we don't hear much about in, in some of the circles we move in in the new covenant is part of that is for, you know, everyone will know the Lord. From the least to the greatest, you will know the Lord. There's one mediator between God and man. And the man, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so I think a lot of it, I think a lot of genuine believers still feel a lack in their personal relationship with God and feel like I don't really know God that well and I can't know God that well and I don't know enough truth. And so... Okay, all right, let's stop there. Why is that, though? Okay. Okay. Why would you feel that way? Why would you feel... You know, I've got to follow this guy on the platform because you know, I don't think I really have it together or I don't fucking... I believe the reason you feel that way is because nobody's ever explained the gospel. Well, that's a large part of it, yeah. You've just never still, explained that it's not about you anyway. It's not about it's what you do. It's much simpler than, yeah. we, than it's been. And anybody can know the Lord because it has nothing to do with your performance. And, and we've turned it in, in our society in particular, turned it into a very academic, intellectual pursuit many times. And you feel like I'm not smart enough. And it's just the style of preaching many times. You get a preacher up there that obviously is very smart. He's very literate, or I mean, very articulate is what I meant to say. He knows Greek. He knows Hebrew. He's funny. He all this. And he's, he's a funny. He's got a personality. And, and you think, well, yeah. I can't understand Scripture like he does. And so we, we want to have someone filter it for us. And so if, so if I don't feel like I can really know God that well or, or be that close to him, then I just want to find someone else who I think is. And yeah. If I can get close to them and hang around them, then I feel closer to God that way. And we, you know, we don't yeah. say that. You know, yeah. we wouldn't. But we feel like I like his words. relationship with God, and I don't feel like I so have gonna, one like that or can have one like that. So I just want to get close yeah. to his relationship with God. And so that's where it overlooks that for everyone will know the Lord from the least to the greatest. And that's and I think that's come from where we we have made us such an intellectual academic exercise. Now here we are, you and I are discussing it, <laughs> you know, kind of an intellectual way, but but it's still. As opposed to a relationship, a simple father-child relationship of the heart, the spirit, it's primarily in the spirit. And so that the idea that God can reveal truth to you, and I guess that would be my encouragement for listeners this week, that don't think you have to have, you know, First John says you, you, you have the anointing. You don't need someone to teach you. Now, there's, mm-hmm. that's not to say there's not a role for teaching in the body of Christ. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that, and other scriptures talk about teachers, but you know, there to guide us back to listen to the teacher. We each have the Holy Spirit living within us, who is the teacher. And, you know, the tendency, I'm, I'm getting better at this, but, you know, if someone asks you, pulls out a hard scripture, you know, kind of a complicated scripture, that, that's just kind of hard to interpret. Okay, what do you think that scripture means? I don't know about you, but for me, many times, the first thought that comes to my mind is, hmm, I wonder what so-and-so says about that scripture. Or I wonder what this author says about that scripture, as opposed to, well, let me just read it myself. Let me ask yeah. the Holy Spirit. What are we saying here? What are yeah. we talking about yeah. here? And so I think uh, I think the walk with the Lord, walk with our Father is much more simple than we've made it. And so I think that lends itself to the kind of the celebrity See, type that, of yeah, I make a distinction. I mean, I do that too. I, I want to say, I wonder what, I mean, I'll just say, I mean, yeah, I, I wonder what do, Andrew yeah. Farley would say yeah. about that, you know, or Paul else. But um, that doesn't mean that I long for their relationship with God to replace my own. I just recognize they have a pretty good grasp of Scripture, yeah. and I would like to hear their insight. That doesn't mean I'm going to agree with it or that right. I have to agree with it, but I would love to see or hear what they, you know, yeah, what I would they agree. perceive about so that. So we're not, not saying that we never, yeah. ever uh, yeah. so I don't have, have some that we respect more than others. So we're, we're you know. There, there's a difference. Either. There's a difference in respecting somebody's, 
uh, viewpoint of Scripture, their grasp of the Scripture, mm-hmm. uh, even their ability to teach it, and wanting them to replace my relationship yeah. with God. Um, you know, part of, part of the advantage we have is both being pastors. I mean, I've, I've been around the block with, you know, in a lot of around mega churches with the, the traveling I did with Kids Blitz, and I've seen the inside baseball, and I'm just not impressed anymore with yeah. anybody. Yeah. I mean, I, I know what goes on as far as, and I mean, it's in a bad sense, but I know you can take any pastor or teach them how great you think they are, and they're still people. I mean, I just know that. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to be mean, nasty people. They may be relatively cool people, you know, but they're still going to be people. They're not the, – the their real, um, you know, personality, who they really are, is not is usually not reflected by what they project on a platform. Yeah. It is still – there is still a difference. Um, and I don't mean that to be critical of them. I'm just saying it's yeah. – I, I don't look at anybody – and you know, idolize them, or um, but I can respect their ability to yeah um, interpret scripture. You know, that is one of the things I, I one you know kind of you know hold someone up here a little bit, but uh, I, I really appreciate about Wayne Jacobson. I mean, he is absolutely the same person all the time. And we were with him two weeks in Israel. I've been in his home. He's been in our home, and he goes out of his way really to try not to impress people. Mm-hmm. I mean, he will he will times say stuff. To kind of, I mean, he really avoids trying to come across like that. So I do, I do appreciate. Well, I understand. That I mean, it takes him, the pressure so. off too, because you, you know, yeah. you, you you start to feel the pressure yourself. I mean, there, there's it's yeah. a double edged sword. Yeah. I mean, not only are you giving a, um, um, a kind of a skewed image of what your relationship with God is, but it's also makes it something you have to then live up to. Yeah, it's kind of a mask. You and know, it is a mask. Hide, and hide behind a mask in that way. Um, now you know. Now one thing. I ha- okay, let me do this little shout out. You know, even though um, we would um, go a different direction with a lot of interpretation of scriptures, but the pastor that we grew up under was pretty good at being authentic. Yeah, you know, Wayne yeah, Smith was pretty good at that. You know, he was he would say openly that he didn't like to study the Bible. <laughs> he would say that he steals his sermons from, and he would tell you who he steals them from. I mean, he was very. Yeah unassuming in that sense true yeah. and um he could be he didn't always have a filter <laughs> and uh, you know so i do appreciate yeah. that about about yeah, wayne smith for sure the uh i guess one other let's see i mean this is gonna be way off topic here we'll jump let back me say in one more thing about wayne if okay. people don't know i mean as a mega church pastor i mean yeah. this is not we're talking, talking about a little country wayne b smith wayne b smith south, south christian, christian church Lexington, and at Kentucky. the time it was one of the two biggest churches in kentucky yeah. and the church still is but yeah he passed away just a few yeah. years ago you know that's but, one of uh, that's one of the few congregations yeah. uh, and i guess southeast christian would be another one of the few congregations that kind of has relatively stayed intact and yeah. beyond the founding yeah Pastor, I mean, a lot even of though he was a personality and a half, oh, oh, I mean, right, he sure. was a magnetic person. He didn't do it with pretense, <laughs> though. I mean, we had, yeah. you have to admit that's one thing you know that we we did love about Wayne is that he did it. He he was authentic before authenticity was cool. Yeah. I mean, really. he, he was one so, of a kind. For you hear yeah. that phrase, one of a kind. He, yeah, he, he really he was. Absolutely yeah. was. We'll talk more about him sometime. Right. <laughs> anyone there? There's there's a little bit on YouTube on there. Someone yeah. wants to YouTube yeah. Wayne B. Smith South yeah. and Christian Church and in, in, in the Independent Christian Church, which is what we grew up in. You remember his nickname? Yeah, he was uh, the Bob Hope. The Bob Hope of yeah. the Christian Church. Now, some yeah. of you, if you, you I mean, was a lot real young listeners, too. some of them are real young listeners may need to. Google Bob Hope to see who that is, yeah. but those of our age or close to it will will know that. But so the idea of celebrity pastor that we don't need 
a mediator. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. And I thought this would relate a little bit. I'll, I'll put the golf on for another one. But, um, <laughs> you know, Mary and Martha, that whole story. I remember thinking there was time, okay, I need to be more like Mary. You know, I need to be like Mary. I need to sit at the feet of Jesus and not be all worried like Martha. When I see now that, you know, Mary and Martha are kind of a pictures of the old covenant, the new covenant, that we are Mary. You know, we don't have to do something to be like Mary. We, you know, we're, we're not just sitting at the feet of Jesus. We're one with Jesus. We are part of his body. And so that's even better than, than sitting at his feet. So rather than feel like I have to do something or change something about me to become more like Mary, it's, it's more like realizing I'm already in a better place than that. He who's least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist, Jesus said, and none greater than John the Baptist. So, I mean, that's the glory that each one will know the Lord from the least to the greatest. We have his spirit within us. We are one with him. He reveals to us all the things God has given us in Christ. And I would say, too, like this. Let me kind of just say this. Um, no matter who you are out there, you, you may be well aware of the fact that you've made mistakes, you've blown it, you're still struggling with sin. You have every opportunity to just get to know the Lord as Absolutely. well as any other pastor on this planet. You know, God is not keeping himself from you, keeping himself from getting to know you or letting you know him because of maybe what you think would be a barrier. He is all in in the relationship with you. But you still have to know Hebrew and Greek, right? No, I don't think so, Jeff. I think it was the whole point, wasn't it? <laughs> Good point, though.